Welcome to this podcast from Central, Jesus at the Heart. More information is available from www.jesusattheheart.org. the uh, teachings of Jesus in Matthew's gospel in chapter 13 and uh, we're starting a brand new series today that we've called parables because it's teaching the parables of Jesus Um, but we've also called it um, Jesus take on life because do you know God if he's God he has a take on life He has a view on life, which is probably bigger than yours. He has a perspective about stuff that perhaps you've not even considered for one moment. And the way in which he tends to teach us is in story. um, We have all these missional community things in this church. Basically, communities of people who want to make a difference in their world with the love of God. And um, and I've always been quite tempted to join one called Soul Surfers. Um, basically because I think, I think I'm cool enough. I think I've got the kind of look that would be good in a wetsuit. I think that a camper van is just my kind of style, and, you know, how hard can it be? The only issue I've got is I'm not very good with water. You know, I'm absolutely brilliant on dry land, you know, sporting man, but... But as soon as I get into water, there's a whole bunch of issues that, that take place. You know, I get on a boat, I'm, I vomit on boats. I, I, I just collapse and capsize on... So swimming, I'm not very good at swimming. I kind of swim at a 45-degree angle in the water. It's more like dredging when I swim. So you kind of two lengths. It's a great upper body workout, I have to say. But after two lengths, you know, I'm basically done. So don't, don't capsize in the middle of the ocean for me. It's not all that ocean stuff. I mean, I know you love it and everything else, but it just freaks me out, uh, all this kind of stuff. So swimming, not good. Canoeing, kayaking. I mean, I spend most of the time flipped and then trying to get back in, and everyone else is scooting around and skating around. It's just no good for me. My worst ever experience was uh, something called cable water skiing. You ever done that? Anyone know what it is? So water skiing, like proper water skiing, you have a boat. But if you're in the middle of England and there's no seaside and no boats, you basically go to a lake and they have this cable that goes around with a motor. And you have to grab the cable. So you're in this kind of position. And the cable comes and you grab it. And they basically say to you, you're going to go underwater for about five seconds and then you will pop. I never popped. (laughs) At any stage. So five hours of water skiing, no pop. And because I'm kind of tenacious, persevering, arrogant, and I'm not going to lose to anybody else, I did five hours underwater. You know, basically, I just held on until the last possible moment when I couldn't keep my breath. And I, you know, so I have seen parts of that lake that nobody else has ever seen. I have seen parts of locks that nobody else has ever seen. I've seen parts of swimming pools that nobody else has ever seen because basically you're supposed to skim across the top of these things and I just dredge underneath all the time. It's a nightmare. I think that's a bit like why we're studying parables. 
Because most of us, we kind of skim across the top of life most of the time, pretending that nothing's wrong and not wanting to go deep because if we go deep, it gets all personal and all messy and we're going to open up a whole bunch of stuff and is it going to get dealt with? Is it going to get healed? Is it going to get sorted? So what we do is we just skim across the top. We don't ask the deep questions of life. We never go below the surface. So Jesus speaks in parables. He's a metaphorical theologian which is a very, very poncy way of saying he tells stories. He tells stories and he acts dramatically to show us what God is like and to show us what we are like and to show us how those two things interact. He wants us to understand something deeper about God and so he, he, he sometimes is enigmatic so we ask questions. We say, what is that about? How does that apply to my life? What do I need to do? How can I be better? How can I walk closer with God? How can I, how can I cope in the train wreck of this world? How am I going to deal with the stuff that's all around me? Well, God's got a view. He's got a book out. And he's got some stories that he tells. And we're going to start off with a story that Jesus tells about a sower. So let's, uh, let's listen together for, to Matthew's gospel in chapter 13. And let's read. What does it look like to live in a relationship with God? How do you respond to God when he comes close? How do you respond to him? Verse, chapter 13, verse 1. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered round him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It, it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop 160 or 30 times what was sown. He who has ears, let him hear. Jesus says there's a farmer who sows some seed. And everybody listening to Jesus back in the day understood exactly what Jesus was saying because probably, perhaps, maybe they were the farmer themselves. And they knew what Jesus was saying because they, they understood about farmers sowing seeds and they understood maybe, maybe the farmer that he's talking about was a farmer from his own hamlet or, or their own village. Maybe they knew exactly the fields that they sowed this seed in. They definitely knew that there was wild expanses of fields and there were paths that went up and down the fields and there were some parts of the ground that were stony and outcrops and there were other parts that were full of thorns and they're going, aha, we know exactly what Jesus is talking about. He's going to tell us something profound but simple, and we don't get it in quite the same way. Because our corn comes from Kellogg's, and our fruit comes from Del Monte, and our vegetables come from Spain via Tesco's. And we've got all that stuff going on, so when you talk about sowers and fields, and we, we're intelligent enough to get it. Jesus is saying something quite profound about seeds and harvests. He says the seed is something called the kingdom of God. 
The seed is something so precious and so small and so dynamic and so beautiful. It's the kingdom of God, which is the rule and reign of God. If God gets everything he wants, this is the kingdom of God. Where God's rule of grace and love and mercy and compassion and justice and righteousness and all the incredible good things about the character and nature of God are constant and present. That's the kingdom of God. And one day, according to the Bible, kingdom will be all there is. Which means one day there'll be no more abuse. And one day there'll be no more poverty, and one day there'll be no more starvation, and one day there'll be no more cancer, and one day there'll be no more separation or divorce and all the pain that that involves. And one day there'll be no more identity crisis. And one day young women in the streets of our city will know how beautiful they are and how loved they are, not dependent on what they see in the mirror, but dependent upon who they're created to be, and they will rejoice in that. And one day, all one day there will be there will be no more separation between God and humanity and, and humanity and humanity and we'll, 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 we'll feel comfortable in our own skin and we'll be at harmony with the whole of creation. That's what the kingdom of God is all about. And Jesus comes along and he says, the kingdom of God is at hand, it's around. You can feel it and you can touch it and one day kingdom will be all there is. And Jesus says, the seed is the kingdom of God. And the harvest the harvest is what happens when you and I begin to embrace that and live that and let the fruit of that out of our lives. That's the harvest. And so he says there's a seed and there's a harvest and it's supposed to be bountiful. And you say, yeah, but I, I really don't know what my life's going to consist of. I've come to Edinburgh to have a party, get some qualifications, find a life partner, whatever. I've got an idea, I've got a plan, or I don't have any plan at all, I don't know what I'm gonna do. My parents ask me what I wanna do with the rest of my life, I've got no idea. You know, I'm 13, for goodness sake. I've got a plan. I don't know what I'm gonna do. How can, how can a seed of the kingdom of God make such a difference? It's just a seed, how can that make a difference? And some of you are sitting there going, I've already sorted it out, I've got a plan. I'm sitting next to it. Or, 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 or I've mortgaged it up, or I've bought something, or I've got a, I'm not ready for that to change. I don't want that to wreck. No, no, let me tell you about this seed. A seed can change a field far more dramatically than a stick of dynamite. Do you know that? I mean, check it out. You watch the farmer sows a seed in a field, and, and you check out the field that's been plowed and, and sown, and then a few months later, all this corn, and there's nothing you can do about it, and it's radically changed. It's changed forever. This seed of the kingdom of God can change everything. It can change faith, and it can change fears, and it can change futures and it can change communities, and it can change towns, and it can change addictions, it can change everything, because it's the seed of the kingdom of God, who has all power and all love and all compassion. He can change absolutely anything. There is only one inconstant, one variable in the whole of the story that Jesus told. He says to the farmer, the farmer's always good, the seed's always fantastic. The only variable is the soil. It's the only variable. 
It's the only thing that changes. And so the question of the parable is, what is the soil of your life? I mean, if you want to have fruit from your life, the fruit of your life is dependent upon the root of your life, and the root of your life is dependent upon the soil of your life. And so if you want to have fruit from your life, you would tend well to the soil. And so then Jesus does some soil analysis, which just for a minute or two we're going to do as well, because I bet, not that I do, but I bet that around this room tonight, there's a whole bunch of different soils, there's a whole bunch of different perspectives. Some of you are already convinced about God, some of you are not convinced at all, some of you came here willingly, some of you didn't come here willingly, some of you, some of you are really intrigued, some of you are going, when is he gonna shut up because I'm hungry? Or whatever else it is, you've got a whole bunch of different perspectives and ideas. Jesus says there are some hard hearts. He's not means to be mean, but he's saying, actually, there's some, the farmer goes along and he starts sowing all this seed everywhere. And some of it is intentionally put into different places and some of it just falls upon the path that he's walking down. And the path that he's walking down is absolutely compacted. I mean, it's a path. It, this is the Middle East. And so, of course, what happens to the seed, it just bounces. It remains on top at best and it gets snatched away and eaten by the birds. And Jesus says, would you tend to your heart if it's hard? I mean, think about it. There are some of us who, who, who have hard hearts. We don't mean to, but, but the truth about the life of God, even the existence of God, bounces off our lives. The reality of Jesus being God and the reality of what that means for life bounces off our lives and gets taken away. And for a whole bunch of reasons, we, we adopt that posture. But, but, but even, even though if it were true for one moment, it would change everything. It would bring life and freedom and hope and future. Even though that's the case, what we do is say, ah, 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 just not go in there. It's not, it's not for me. And let me tell you what happens what happens is this, you say theoretically and intellectually, I'm just not going there. And the narrative that you tell yourself is adopted by a worldview that says, belief in God and following God is so old school, it's so immature, it's just emotionalism and I'm not going there at all. But the consequences of that is that the seed can never break through the surface, it never ingresses. And it can never ever reach your heart. And therefore, it can never, ever become truth for you. Because truth is not just intellectual truth, it's experiential truth. And it's only really truth when you begin to live it out and experience it in your heart, and it changes stuff. And this is so vital because there are so many of us who have hearts that are damaged. Lives and experiences that are damaged because of things that were not said to us because of care that was not given to us, because of the life experiences that we've had. And God says, do you know what? I'm just sowing the seed of my kingdom. But unless it can get below the surface, all you end up with is the seed being snatched away. The scripture says, the, Jesus says in fact, the, scripture get, the seed gets snatched away by the enemy of God's people. Why does he do that? I mean, why does he bother? Let me tell you, he, he, he bothers because he knows that hard hearts very easily can become soft hearts, and he doesn't want that. He, he knows that broken hearts can very easily become healed hearts, and he doesn't want that, so he just snatches it away. The way he snatches it away is he constructs a culture that is completely consistent with everything that this world thinks, but is completely alien to the word of God. 
So we walk around thinking that individualism is a great thing, that consumerism is, is fine, that, that, uh, that, that hedonism is fantastic. But you know what? All of those things rob us from the deeper life of God. We were created to live in community and we find God when we find community because God is in community. But if we live our life saying it's me, myself, and I, we never experience community and we can't experience God. Every time we pursue hedonism, you know, the one, the one, the consumerism or, or, or materialism, the one who dies with the most toys wins, or, or, or hedonism, you know, it's all about you, go party, have a great time. If we, consume, if we pursue that with our lives, all that is is the enemy of God setting up illusions of glory that are designed to keep us from the one for whose glory we're supposed to live. And so we get a hint of glory that isn't really glory. We get a hint of satisfaction that really isn't satisfaction. And we're kept from being satisfied in God. And it just robs the God life in us. And we walk around wondering why we find purpose difficult, and why we find wisdom difficult, and why we find love really quite difficult. It's because the source of love and the source of wisdom and the source of purpose we put in the rear view mirror and we drive away. Hard hearts. And you know what? I, I honestly believe, as I was praying earlier, that God wants to do something about hard hearts this evening. He's not a bully boy God. He's not going to bust in, but he does want to reign on your path and soften your heart so you'd experience him. Second kind of soil is, uh, is a shallow soil. And uh, Israel... Uh, sits basically on a limestone bedrock. So everywhere you go in Israel, there are these crops of rocks that pop up above the surface. And, and, and almost, almost everywhere, the, the, the ground is arable, but it's very, very shallow. So a seed falls to the ground. It begins to grow roots, but it can't grow big roots. It pops its head up. I've got no idea about gardening, obviously. It pops its head up, and the sun comes out, and it extinguishes that. Extinguish? That's not a word for gardening either. It extinguishes the plant. You, know, you, you get no plant because... It was just shallow. There was nowhere for it to go. And so it is true with hearts. How is your soil? The shallow heart just responds emotionally and commits superficially. And the seed never takes root. I'll tell you why I think that's true. I think it's true because people sometimes respond because they're just after happiness and comfort. They're just after something that's going to work for them. They're just after Jesus so he can, he can massage them and make it all okay for them. And, and actually, Jesus does do that, and it is incredible, but that's not all he's for. There is something better than feeling happy. It's called the kingdom of God. It's called the joy of the kingdom of God, which is deep, and the peace of the kingdom of God, which is, well, you won't find it anywhere else. It's called the purpose of the kingdom of God. It's called the wisdom of the kingdom of God. And here's some wisdom. Listen carefully. Abundance comes in sacrifice. You won't hear this most places, so listen up. Freedom is found in binding yourself to the Savior of the world. Joy is found in persevering in trial and purpose is discovered in pain as much as it's discovered in pleasure. And I becoming who I am is only ever really going to be found and discovered as I live under the authority 
of the word of God, not outside of it, because he's God. And all of that stuff don't come just by hanging out with Jesus. It comes when you pursue him. It comes when you pursue right living. It comes when you say, I'm going to have a long, hard walk in the same direction because I know that's life and I know I want to grow and I know I want to be different and I know I want to find myself as fertile soil and I know I want to make a difference in this world and I am going to live large and I am going to die spent because I am going for this. See, the problem is so many of us want Jesus' light because we want everything light. We, we want Jesus to be our service provider. You know, Jesus, come on, give me good stuff. And when Jesus does give you good stuff, which he does, you feel good about Jesus and you worship Jesus and you follow Jesus. But when things happen in your life, which he is intentionally allowed to happen so he might shape you and grow you and strengthen you and get you spiritually and physically and emotionally ripped, you go, I'm not very interested in Jesus anymore. At best, we treat Jesus as a service provider, and at worst, we treat Jesus like a friendly dog. Come on, Jesus. Roll over, Jesus. Die, Jesus. Lick my face, Jesus. If that's not too irrelevant or irreverent, even. And Jesus goes, Do you know, I came to save you and free you and love you, but I'm also God, in case you hadn't. And have a plan for your life. And in your heart, there is a cross and there is a throne. It's true of mine, it's true of yours. And you get to decide who sits on the cross and who sits on the throne, who's running the show. And Jesus says, I'm not going to bully you into this, but actually I know how to do life because I made it. And I need Jesus because I can't do my life. I can't run it, I can't plan it, I can't fix it, I can't make it work. How's your heart? And how's your soil? And Jesus goes on, he says that the, the, the farmer then started to sow this seed and he sowed it in this, in this place full of thorns. Probably it didn't look like it was thorny, but there were thorns underneath. There were thorns underneath the surface. I gotta watch what I do with my hands, apparently. There were thorns underneath the surface and they started to grow up. And what they did was the, 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 the seeds started to grow and the plants started to grow and the thorns just, the word that's used is, is cluttered and suffocated that plant. And these hearts are good hearts. You want Jesus, you want him, you want to serve him because he's God and he made a difference in your life and he's transformed you and you're singing songs going, I actually mean that stuff and you're down the front on Sundays going, I'm following Jesus and all that and you're, you're up for it but you want everything else as well. You want Jesus and you want everything else and you want that and you want this and you want every other philosophy and you want every other authority in your life but you also want Jesus. I've got to the age and stage now when I do what I call the pat down before I leave the house. Some of you will not have to do this but I do the wallet, keys, kids, wife, sermon, spectacles. I always forget something but that's what we do with God, isn't it? Got my house, got my wife, got my car, got my everything else, got my Jesus. I got my Jesus. And it's like kind of, you know, you've got, you've got everything. Sorry. It's not in the script. 
But you've got like kind of you've got the whole thing. You've got you've got your career and you've got your hobby, you've got your car, you've got your house, and you got Jesus. And you've got him on the end, and he makes it good, and everything else feels good about the thing. Jesus says, actually, if you want to live like that, you are always gonna strangle the kingdom of God. You're always going to suffocate what you were created for. You're always going to kill your purpose in life. You're always going to be stunted because all this other stuff is going to come and it's going to suffocate the God life in you. And you're better than that and I made you for more than that. I don't want to be an extra addition to your comfortable life. I want to be the heart and the star and the root and the core. And because Jesus knows that preachers like me will go off peace just once in a while, he names the thorns. He says, these thorns, this is so cool, trust me. He says, these thorns are two things. They are the worries of this world and they are the deceitfulness of riches. How contemporary is Jesus? I mean, he could have written this yesterday, couldn't he? What chokes the good life in you? What chokes the God life in you? What chokes the joy life in you? What, what chokes the peace life in you? I tell you, the worries of this world. Because you're worried that if you don't look out for number one, you don't look out for yourself, no one else is going to look out for you, so you have to insure yourself. You have to put boundaries around yourself. You have to look after your family. You have to provide for them. You have to pr preserve them, and you have to make it okay. And what you're actually saying is that you don't trust that God will. And you never articulate it like that, not in church. But that's what you're saying. And that God doesn't love your kids more than you love your kids. And hasn't got their back. And so you live your life self-preserving as if you ever really could. And it kills the God life in you. Or the deceitfulness of riches. You know, I, I know some of you are not even not got to the stage when when you even think about anything more than paying for pizza tonight. But actually, there are some of you who are thinking, "How am I going to how am I going to pay for this?" How and you're thinking to yourself, "If I could just earn a bit more, if I could just earn a bit more, then everything's going to be all right." Nonsense. If, I'll tell you, it's absolute nonsense. If I could just have a bit more stuff, then everything's going to be okay. No, 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 no. Having more stuff complicates your life, doesn't free you up in life. Honestly. The best thing you could possibly do if you have a garage is go home and throw it all away. Apart from if you've got a nice car in it or something, then keep that. But all the other toot in it, just get rid of it because it complicates your life. The deceitfulness of riches says if you have more, if you have faster, if you have shinier, if you have better technology, everything's going to be okay. My experience of technology is I have faster technology. It just confuses my life. Pen and piece of paper were much better. Rent over. But the deceitfulness of riches, it's a lie. And it will kill the kingdom of God in you. And finishing off my highly positive sermon this evening... Jesus says, there is a soil which is fertile. And the really cool thing about the soil that's fertile is, is the, lowest, the lowest quantity and measurement of multiplication in the kingdom of God is 30 times. 60, 100. Isn't that incredible? 
So basically what God is saying is if you, if you find a way to cultivate your soil so that it receives a seed of the kingdom of God, if you can learn to experience and love and embrace the love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and, 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 and righteousness and justice of the kingdom of God, and if that can grow in you, then absolutely the lowest measurement of that will be 30 times influence. 30 times? Can you imagine that here? If everyone got a bit of 30 times, or 60 times, or 100 times, imagine how much good and how much love, how much peace, how much patience, how much social involvement that we could get involved in. How many people could get loved and freed up? How many communities, how many can see life lived out amongst them? How many schools would get supportive? How many, how many politicians would be encouraged? How many streets would be cleaned up? How many people working in the sex industry would begin to understand that real love is found in God? How, how, how much human trafficking would be stopped how many students would come to Edinburgh not just to get a good qualification and have a party, but would come to contribute and would find life and would find purpose and would find love and would begin to live their life with God at the center and would begin to make a radical difference in this world. 30 times, 60 times, 100 times, and suddenly you've got a field full of corn and fruit. Although I'm sure that doesn't grow together. But you know what I mean. And it's incredible. Do you want to harvest from your life? Nobody. Do you want to harvest from your life? Do you want four of you? Excellent. Do you want to harvest from your life? Do you want to see fruit? Do you want to see something more than just getting on, doing same old, same old, getting a few pounds in the bank, having a nice family? Do you want to do more than that? Do you want to make a difference? Do you want to change some stuff? Do you want to see the nation change? Not because we make a political decision, but because God shows up and his kingdom shows up and it shows up in your life and through you. That would be incredible, wouldn't it? Well, then you would go deep. And you'd ask some questions. And you'd get God's perspective. So here's the thing. I'm going to pray for us right now. And I'm going to pray for three things and it's very, very specific. And don't feel uncomfortable no one can see you apart from me and Jesus. I'm going to pray for three things very, very specifically. And uh, you get to identify between you and Jesus where you stand with this stuff. First thing I'm going to pray is some of you here have hard hearts. It's, it's a quite a vicious description. It's not meant to be negative. It's just that's the reality of it. The seed falls on the pavement. The seed falls on the mud path that's compacted. And what I'm going to pray is that God who is here would reign on your life with the gentle reign of the Holy Spirit, the reign of the kingdom of God, by which I mean he's going to soften your heart. Not so that you instantly would just believe everything, but so that the seed of faith would go into your heart and you would experience God in such a way that you can never again deny that he's real. That's what I'm going to pray for some of you. And for others of you who have, who have shallow hearts, I'm going to pray something quite different. I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit would show up. I was going to say with a wrecking ball, but that's a song and that probably wouldn't be appropriate. <laughs> He'd show up with a sledgehammer. Let's call it a sledgehammer. And he would break your heart. 
not because I want you to experience pain, but because sometimes we hold this so tightly that we don't allow anybody in to heal and to transform and to change and to mend and to deal with our stuff. So I'm going to pray for some Holy Spirit sledgehammers. And thirdly, there are some of us, I suspect many of us here, who have cluttered hearts. There are weeds and there are thorns. Because we want Jesus, but we want him on our terms, and we want everything else as well. And I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit will bring his rotavator, which is a big machine with spikes, that rips up thorns and gets rid of the root, that gets rid of anything that is incompatible with the kingdom of God growing in you. And you have to want this because he's not a bully boy God. He's not, about to, he's not about to invade you. He comes with an invite. So I'm going to pray that for you. And then, then I'm going to pray abundance. 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. You up for that? Would you stand with me? Thomas is going to come in just a moment and we're going to worship together as we close. But let's just, let's just be quiet before God. Some of you uh, have listened to what's been said tonight and you really found it a bit weird because you don't actually have a relationship with God, but there's something inside of you that says, you know, I really would quite like to, but I don't know how to, and this is hard for me. Well, Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd come. God, we believe you're here. We believe you're powerful. We wouldn't do this if we didn't. We believe that you can, uh, you can do anything. So Holy Spirit, would you come? And I pray that you would reign on hard hearts and soften them. Soften them so there is a receptivity to receive truth and so that one or two seeds could just fall through. Soften them so an experience of the love of God would be all over this building this evening. Holy Spirit, would you come? And would you convince and convict? It's not my job to do it, it's your job. Would you come, rain, Holy Spirit, rain down. Rain down now. And you know, not, want to, not in any way wanting to manipulate or, or do any magic, but um, if, if you sense, and you're up for this, and you have to be up for it, but if you sense that there's a quickening of your heart and you, you know something is happening, can I just encourage you to go with it? What's the worst thing that can happen? God could show up. Whoa. Just go with it. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd come with your sledgehammer. Where there are, is a, a bedrock of shallowness and I just want Jesus for the happy stuff. Would you smash some stuff so that we can go deep with you? Because we want to go deep and long. We want to walk in the same direction with you. We want to endure. We want to persevere. We want you to shape our characters and our hearts so that we can make a difference in this world. So bring your sledge hammer to us, Lord. And Holy Spirit, come with your rotivator. Come with your rotivator. I don't, I don't want, personally, I don't want any thorns to choke the kingdom of God in me. So would you come and would you do that for each one of us? Would you get rid of the stuff that is incompatible with Jesus? Would you get rid of the stuff that is ambition, that is not what you want for us? Because we don't want the stuff that you don't want for us.
Would you get rid of the habits that, see, that stop us seeking God and stop us walking with him? Would you come gently, if that's possible, with your rotavator? Because we've tried so often to cut down the thorns, but we can't do it. They just grow again. They need to be rooted up. Would you come do it? And now we pray for your blessing. Come, Holy Spirit. We pray for your blessing. Come, use us. We pray for your blessing. We don't want it for us. We want it for everyone else.